This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm one of five kids who grew up in a teacher's home. My dad taught accounting and business economics, and my mom was a music teacher who only went back into teaching when my youngest brother went to school. I was then 14 years old. So my dad raised the five of us on one teacher's salary for a very long time. He always said it was possible because he did not drive an expensive car, did not go on expensive holidays, and did not marry an expensive wife. But even though there was always food on the table, always money for all my numerous music exams, and even though my dad got me through four years of university with the help of a few small bursaries, I often felt stressed and worried about finances as a child. I remember doing holiday grocery shopping with my dad, watching the numbers on the toll until it stopped at around 300 rands. I panicked. I wondered, How was he going to pay for this? I also remember feeling extremely guilty when I bought myself a new pair of very needed tackies after I received my first paycheck. And that made me realize that my relationship with money was not right. I was bound by fear and guilt and stress. I needed a new mindset. And maybe you can relate to stress or fear or guilt when it comes to your personal finances, especially in this season where many people are under pressure financially. Maybe you also need a new mindset and God's perspective over your finances, like I did many years ago. So I would love to take you on a journey with me today, a journey towards financial peace, which is one of my most precious possessions. Before we talk about financial peace, we need to define financial stress. Financial stress could be one or all of the following. You feel guilty or condemned when you spend money. You feel constantly stressed about money. You have no idea where your money goes every month. There is no order and there is no structure. Or your debt is growing every month and you don't know how to turn it around. You and your spouse fight about money regularly and there is no unity when it comes to financial decisions in your marriage. You live in fear of losing everything, your job, your business and your savings. Or even though you do have a good income, you are constantly worried about the future or about not having enough for emergencies. Financial stress is a reality for most people, and we often think that the solution is to earn more money. Surely rich people don't stress about money? Unfortunately, you could potentially stress even more when you have more money. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12 says, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. When I started working in January 1999, I earned a very small salary. I didn't have a car, so I had to find lifts to work. I didn't have a cell phone, and I didn't have a credit or even a debit card. I couldn't ask my dad or anyone else for money. I remember drawing cash and allocating in envelopes for different purposes. I had to live simply and trust in the Lord. I had to learn to find financial peace in a season when my income was very limited. There are many people with a lot of money who do know financial peace, 
but more money will not necessarily lead to financial peace. The journey toward financial peace begins with a paradigm shift, and that is God owns it all. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Job 1 verse 21 says, Naked, without possessions, came I into this world from my mother's womb. And naked, without possessions, shall I depart. Everything we have is a gift from the Lord, even if we worked hard for it. Opportunities come from God. Strength to work comes from God. If you're a business owner, your business belongs to God. We are ultimately stewards of everything we have received. And the moment we make the shift, our peace increases as we realize that God is our provider and He is our source. Managing money well requires a lifetime of daily decisions and actions. So from a very young age, I taught our son that we need to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. So I gave him three tins that said giving, saving, and spending. Simple to understand, even for a young child. The problem is many people only know how to spend money. They've never learned how to save, and they've never learned how to give. But all three of these are necessary for a healthy budget that will eventually lead to financial peace. Maybe you think, Sonica, what are you talking about? I don't have a budget, and I'm not planning to start budgeting either. I'm just not that kind of a person. Well, let me put it to you this way. Financial disorder is one of the leading causes of personal and marital stress and often results in divorce. A budget will most assuredly improve your mental and marital health. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Budgeting takes diligence and it takes planning, but it leads to blessing and peace when we do it faithfully, especially if we involve God in our planning and our decision-making. So step number one to financial peace, we need to acknowledge that everything we have ultimately belongs to God, and we need to become good stewards of what He has entrusted to us. Step two to financial peace, we need to release control and surrender our finances to God. Easier said than done, I know. But something beautiful happens when we open our hands and give something that is really precious to us over to God. He replaces that empty space in our palms with peace. So as we learn to release control of our money to God, He will replace our financial stress with financial peace. So the question is, how do we surrender our finances to God? We need to start by honoring the Lord. Proverbs 3 verse 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I know there are many debates about tithing, but my husband and I tithe 10% of our income to our local church. It is the first item on our budget. Tithing teaches us to prioritize God. It reminds us that all we are and all we have is from God. For us, it is not a duty, a burden or a law, but our greatest privilege. It has also been the training wheels to become more generous in our giving. There are many different ways in which you can honor the Lord with your first fruits. For example, I know people 
who give away the portion of their yearly salary increase for the first month as a first fruit to the Lord. My husband gave away his very first salary in 2002 as a first fruit unto the Lord. Honoring God with the first fruits of our increase is not a law, but an act of faith that leads to peace and joy. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Giving is not something that comes naturally. It's an art we need to learn, like learning to ride a bicycle, or driving a car, or playing a musical instrument. But the more we open our hands and let go of what is precious to us, the easier it becomes and the more we excel in it and the more peace we receive in return. A second way of surrendering our finances to God, we need to learn to respond to the Lord. Listen to this beautiful scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 and 8. Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and he delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in Him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. We should not give in response to guilt or pressure. Giving should be a joyful act of faith in response to God's voice. Giving can become very stressful if we feel responsible to meet everyone's needs. We cannot provide for everything and everyone. People should look to God to provide for them. But what is our responsibility? We should give in obedience to God. We should give cheerfully and we should give generously. Guilt-driven giving will add to your financial stress. But cheerful giving in response to God's promptings will lead to peace because God will provide what you need. Plus, He will provide what He wants you to give. We just need to learn to respond in obedience to His voice. We also need to learn to consult the Lord, to ask His opinion on financial decisions. Proverbs 3, 6, well-known scripture, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. You have monthly expenses, medium to long-term expenses like saving for a car or a fridge, and you have once-in-a-lifetime expenses like studies, a wedding, or a house. And depending on your situation and your income, you need to keep all these things in mind when you manage your finances. But what about asking God's opinion on financial decisions, whether short-term or long-term? I heard a story about someone who saved money for a camera that cost $250. When she got to the $250, she felt God told her to wait. Shortly after that, somebody gave her a bag full of camera equipment worth $750. Then she felt God wanted her to give the $250 away. How powerful is that? She saved, she gave, and she received without spending money all because she involved God in her financial decisions. She had the privilege of receiving a blessing and she had the privilege of blessing someone else. But if she were not in communication with God, this would not have happened the way 
it did. How about learning to ask God's opinion on your savings, your giving, and your spending? Another powerful way of surrendering our finances to God is to learn to wait upon Him. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that says we need to wait upon the Lord. Have you ever waited upon the Lord before you have made a financial decision? Dave Ramsey says, We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. One of the major keys to reaching financial peace is this. Learn to live on 70% or even less of your income. If you live on 60 or 70% of your income, you have margin and you will feel rich. If you live on 100% of your income, you will feel pressure. To achieve this, you need to develop your self-control muscle. You can't have everything straight away. Sometimes you need to wait. Waiting eliminates most impulsive buying. Many things that attract you today hold no interest three months later. Setting a waiting period could give God the opportunity to provide what you want or to provide something different or better or to show you that you don't need it and should use the money differently. So let's talk about debt. Debt is often not a matter of insufficient funds, but of insufficient self-control. The Bible discourages debt. And if we take God's word seriously, we should avoid debt. And in those cases where we do need to go into debt, we should make every effort to get out as soon as possible. Why? Because debt has consequences. For example, debt lingers. The new boat is fine for a while, but two years later, when it's sitting in storage, the motor needs repair and the kids don't want to ski anymore, we're still paying for it. Debt causes worry, stress. Debt causes denial of reality. You can't actually afford many things you buy, but you think you can, because you can borrow the money. Debt also deprives God of the chance to say no, or to provide through a better means. Debt also ties up resources and makes them unavailable for the kingdom of God. Past unwise decisions inhibit present and future generosity. We want to give, but we can't. So if you are in debt, two questions are relevant. Why did you get into debt and how can you get out? The reason for the first question is important to help you to make future decisions as well as to identify the root of the debt. It could be a symptom of greed, impulsiveness, or a lack of self-control that we need to bring before the Lord in prayer. So how do we practically deal with debt? We need to make a few radical decisions. First of all, bring your debt situation before the Lord and repent if necessary. Incur no new debts. Make a decision not to buy anything unless you can buy cash. Systematically eliminate existing debts. Most financial advisors will say that you must pay off the one with the biggest interest rate first, but it could be motivating to get rid of the smallest debt first. Destroy your credit cards if that is a temptation and consider ways to increase your income. You could get a part-time job or even sell things in your house you don't need. Also, make a list when you go to the shop. Otherwise, you might buy things you don't really need. Live within your means. Cut out unnecessary expenses and learn to prioritize. There are different seasons. Sometimes we have less and sometimes we have more. And lastly, do not compromise on your giving to God. 
Waiting upon the Lord in the area of your finances is radical, but it does lead to financial peace. Beautiful things happen when we release control of our finances to God. Firstly, it will lead to peace. Romans 8 verse 6 says, But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. If we let go and let God in the area of our finances, it will lead to life and peace. If you are married, finances could either be a stressful experience or a peaceful experience. It is possible for finances to be a peaceful experience in your marriage. But then you must be willing to communicate regularly, be sensitive to one another's needs and wants. Prove yourself trustworthy and faithful in this area and plan together as a couple. You cannot hide things from one another. You have to seek unity, pray together and learn to make financial decisions together. Andre and I have no financial secrets. We talk about all big financial decisions, whether it's investing money, buying something or giving money away. And if one of us do not feel comfortable, we wait and reevaluate. There have been times that I felt I must give money away when it was guilt-driven. And my husband picked it up and said, Sonika, this time you're not responding to God's voice, but to feelings of guilt. So this is not the right time to give. Our accountability has become a wonderful safety net to learn to recognize when it is God speaking. We have a budget that we both agreed on. And most of all, we have peace. It was a journey and we had to learn to work together, but it has become a peaceful area in our marriage that we protect with all of our hearts. Releasing control of your finances to God will also lead to purity. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. There is nothing inherently wrong with money. It's when we love money, when we crave it, and when we can't get enough of it that the purity of our hearts is being affected. I do not want to wander from the true faith and pierce myself with many sorrows. Therefore, I need to carefully evaluate my heart all the time. But I've learned that every time I surrender control of my finances to God, every time I give, and every time I wait, before I buy, I experience a purification of my heart, which is a safe place. To acknowledge God's Lordship of your finances will also lead to faithfulness. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Receiving a very small salary when I started working was quite stressful at times, but was that altogether bad? No. It taught me to budget and live within my means. It taught me to put my trust in the Lord. It taught me patience and self-control, and it taught me to be grateful for things in life that many people take for granted. It taught me to be a good steward of the little bit that I have received, and good stewardship in this life leads to eternal rewards in the life to come. Surrendering our finances will also lead to joy. Ecclesiastes 5, 8-19 Behold, here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat and drink, and to find enjoyment in all the labor in which he labors under the sun during the few days of his life, which God gives him. For this is his allotted reward. Also, every man to whom God has given riches and possessions, he has also given the power and ability to enjoy them. 
and to receive this as his allotted portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God to him. Over the years, God has many times led me to give money away, but the money that he allowed me to keep and enjoy far exceeded the amount I've ever given away. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. When we release control of our finances to God, we can truly enjoy everything He blesses us with. Let go and let God in the area of our finances will also lead to contentment. Ecclesiastes 5 is 10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. If you love money, you will never have enough and you will never find true happiness. However, if you surrender your finances to God, you will experience contentment, which is a state of happiness and satisfaction. Surrendering our finances to God will also lead to true riches, the most special of them all. Luke 16 verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? The scripture also implies that God will commit to our trust True riches when we are faithful in unrighteous mammon. I see true riches as those things we cannot buy with money. Those things in life that are truly valuable. Imagine the effect on our lives if we rely on God's wisdom when we make financial decisions. Imagine a peaceful, personal and marital financial world. Imagine experiencing joy and contentment in the area of finances. And imagine receiving true riches and eternal rewards because we have learned to be faithful stewards. This is all within your reach if you humble yourself and allow God to give you grace, the empowerment to do the right thing. In closing, I want to encourage you to do the following. First of all, draw up a budget or improve your current budget. Yes, you can. If you are married, you should do this together as a married couple. Or one can do it and submit it to the other person. But you need to seek and find unity as a couple. Discuss your budget with God. That means you discuss with Him your needs and your wants. So if you have peace that God is happy with your budget and your income is less than your expenses, you bring specific items before God and you trust Him to provide the income or the item. If you have peace that God is happy with your budget and your income is more than your expenses, Ask his opinion on how much to save, how much to give, and how much to invest. If you have debt, decide on a game plan how to pay it off. Write down the debt you have. Evaluate the reason for the debt and write down a plan of action. Bring it before the Lord in prayer. Like I said, financial peace is one of my most precious possessions. It is available to you as well. If you have maybe lost your job in the season or under tremendous financial pressure, I want to encourage you to keep on looking to God. He is faithful and He is good and He knows your needs. God's economy is greater than our economy. He is your provider. Let's pray together. Could you maybe open your hands like this? Just as a sign of surrender to God. Lord, we honor you as the one who owns everything. We acknowledge that we are stewards of the possessions you have entrusted to us. We desire peace, purity, joy, contentment, but most of all, true riches. Therefore, help us to let go of control and make you Lord over our finances. Teach us to be good stewards and generous givers. 
Thank you for your peace and unity in our marriages in every financial decision. I also just want to release financial provision and jobs for people in this season who are under financial pressure in the name of Jesus. I pray blessing over every business and I speak life to the economy. And I thank you, God, that you are faithful and that you are our provider. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.